Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. to our hearts. Could I get just a little bit more monitor right here if that would be would be cool? Throat straining just a little bit tonight. Man, you guys have have preached my socks off. I've had to get new socks every night. Just preached them right off my feet. You're a fun church to preach at. You love the word of God and I appreciate that. Appreciate your bishop and your pastor who just loves God and is not ashamed to aggressively do the work of God. And I'm, I'm just so privileged um, to know these men. It's been my privilege to be here. And I want to thank Pastor McGee for the extra blessings, just for being such a friend, all the meals. The, the, I didn't even mention the basket. I got two baskets in my room this week. I don't think I've ever gotten two baskets, which I didn't really get two baskets. We got one and my daughter got one, but it was two baskets. I, I've been traveling for, for almost 10 years, and we've never received two baskets before. So there you go. You double portion blessing me, and I appreciate that, taking care of my family and my daughter and my wife. And, and I think, how, many, how much did you raise this morning, sweetheart? It was $180, $188 this morning going to Uganda. Hallelujah. Did you know we baptized a quarter of a million people here just a few years ago in that country? To God be the glory, hallelujah, 250-something thousand souls for the kingdom of God. You're sowing directly into that. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. And, and to attached to that, we have more tonight. So if you haven't bought a cake pop, enjoy the cake pop. Please go back there. And enjoy yourself. We, my wife has, has raised a lot of money doing this before, and, and I've, I've been in places I've thought, you know, they either love missions or love chocolate. I'm not sure which one. Uh, maybe a little of both. But I, I appreciate you supporting that, and um, I just thank you so much um, for your kindness to us. And, and, you know, there's just there's places, Brother McGee can tell you in his, his traveling, that there's some places that we go that you just don't really connect well you just, you just kind of go through the motions and you get out of there. And Not that there's anything wrong with that church. Not that there's anything wrong with me. It's just, it just doesn't work. But, but here, it's completely the opposite. Man, I feel like we have really connected. And, and I believe, I, I really believe this. I believe just as God calls a pastor to a church, just as he calls a teacher to a church, I believe God calls evangelists to a church. And I feel that, that deep connection to you. And I'm honored uh, to be able to serve in this revival this week. And, and um, we're, we're just thankful for what the Lord is doing and what He's about to do in this place. I want to leave you with something tonight. The book of Genesis, the 15th chapter. And I want to thank you for the additional offerings. I know that those wasn't all in cake pops. Some of you gave more. And we really appreciate you going beyond. And this church has had a reputation since I've met you of always going beyond. And I thank you for doing that and considering um, other people. Thank you very much. Amen. Genesis 15 and 7. I feel so strongly to talk about you this evening, and I, I don't know what we're going to do. I've got a few things laid out here. I may get to them. I may not. You feel free to do whatever. Whatever happens, just, Lord, let's let it happen tonight and let God get the glory for it. Genesis 15 and verse number 7. 
Genesis 15 and verse number 7. The Bible says, And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur, of the Chaldees, to give this land, watch this, to inherit it. I don't, I don't just want you to have it. I want you to inherit it. I want you to enjoy it. I want you to go there. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, Take me a heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against the other, but the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the caucuses, Abram drove them away. Say that with me. Abram drove them away. 1 Timothy 6 and 11. Just a couple of verses here. 1 Timothy 6 and 11, and we're going to read verse 12 as well. It says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. One of my favorite statements, phrases of the Bible is found right there in verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses fight the good fight of faith there is a good fight to fight just as there is a bad fight there's bad fights and then there's good fights you know fighting against your own brother that's not a good fight fighting against the church is not a good fight fighting against your pastor is not a good fight but there is a good fight paul said fight the good fight of faith he united the word fight and faith i like that Going back to Abram, God promised Abram something, and Abram's wondering, how in the world am I going to inherit this? And God gave him a plan. So he got the plan. He put it all together, and then he laid it out there. And all of a sudden, this black buzzard comes along and tries to interfere. Now, there was no commandment for this, but Abram, in his own way, just said, I've got to do something about this. I'm not going to let this bird interfere with God's plan. So Abram took it upon himself to drive that buzzard away. Say, no, you are not going to have my promise. You're not going to have my sacrifice. You're not going to take this from me. Once you come against my promise, you've come against me. Abram had zero toleration when it come to things like this, and I think we are to be the same way. Anytime, you hear me and hear me well today, anytime God gives a promise, the enemy will assign a foul to that promise as well. And between the time you've been given the promise to the time that it happens, you're going to deal with some interference. You're going to deal with some things coming down, picking at your promise, trying to pick it apart and tell you it's not going to happen. And you've got to do something. You're either going to sit back and let it pick you apart or you're going to do like Abram says, get away from my promise. Get away from my family. Get away from my children. 
fight the good fight of faith. To contend with adversaries, to fight, to struggle with difficulties, dangers, to endeavor with strenuous zeal, to strive, to obtain something. My question to you tonight, the last night of this series of services with me, is simply, does your faith have a fight? Does your faith have a fight? We've got a promise, but how much fight do you have in you for that promise? You're not going to be able to lay down. You're going to have to fight for this. You're going to have to take up for it. You're going to have to intervene. I think for too long we, we, we've received words from God. You know, the Bible said when the seed fell by the wayside that the fowls of the air came down. That's just like the enemy. He's looking for that opportunity to take the seed that God has planted in your heart. And before there can be a harvest, nothing he would enjoy more than to sweep down and take an advantage over that promise. But I believe there's somebody here that's got a fight in them tonight. I think there's someone here that's just going to fight the good fight and say, Lord, my promise hadn't happened yet, but I ain't about to let this devil come down and take this away from me. So if you can, I want you to put your Bibles down for just a moment. I want to lift you to lift up both your hands with me right now. And let's pray and ask the in the name of Jesus. God, you help us in this room tonight. Lord, you're great and greatly to be praised. Lord, we feel your precious anointing, your great power, your authority in this room. God, we need you to help us. Help us, Lord. Give us, give us the victory tonight. We feel victory in this place. And we know that you are here. We know that you are fighting for us. But, Lord... We're here standing against negative things that's tried to tell us different. We're standing against things that have tried to tell us it's not going to happen. But we are rejecting the enemy's word and we are receiving your word. We are rejecting the enemy's reality and we are receiving your reality. Because we're going to fight, like Paul said, the good fight of faith. Clap your hands unto the Lord and you may be seated. Hallelujah. My wife and I, at one time, were really big fans of a couple of guys that called themselves Mythbusters. Anybody ever heard of the Mythbusters before? They used to specialize in movie props, and they also worked in demolition. Now they devote themselves and their teams to prove theories, whether they are right, wrong, or can anybody name the third one? Plausible. Thank you. There is somebody that knows about this. Consists of two guys and their teams trying to prove myths and legends, right, wrong, plausible. And during their show, there's a lot of theories that are thrown around. There's a lot of opinions and analysis. And one in particular show that my wife and I was enjoying, they were in a heated argument about a theory and one of them believed it one way, and the other one believed it another way. And one of them spoke up, said something so powerful, I will forever remember what he said. But right in the middle of a debate, they were arguing both sides of the point. One of them raised his voice and said this. He said, I reject your reality, and I accept my own. And I remember when I first heard that, I thought, boy, I know a lot of people like that in this world. 
they completely reject everybody else's reality and they receive their own reality. But the more I begin to think about that, that actually applies to us today because really, in essence, to receive something from God, you must reject a worldly reality and receive a kingdom reality. you got to reject the world's results to receive God's results. The truth is, faith is not always about being positive. I want you to learn that tonight. Faith is not always about being positive. It's not always about saying yes. But sometimes it takes faith to say no. Sometimes for the betterment of your family and the bettering of your situation, you've got to have a no with your, with your faith. Just as you are able to receive things with your faith, you've got to be able to reject some things with your faith. When Abram was dealing with that foul negative bird that come down, it was no time for a positive reaction. It was definitely time for a negative reaction that simply says, no, I'm not going to let you do this. I'm not going to let you get the better of my situation. In the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and verse 24, the Bible says, by faith, say that with me, by faith. Took faith for Moses to do this. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It's right there, plain as day. Faith is not always about saying yes. Sometimes it's about saying no. And I'm going to tell you something. When the enemy comes at you with words of accusation, I don't think we are to even sit in silent. I think we are to... Be like Moses right here and say, no, I refuse that in the name of Jesus Christ. That's not who I am. Verse 27 says, by faith, he, referring to Moses, forsook. So you've got two negative things happening that, that God says it takes faith. It takes faith to refuse and it takes faith to forsake. Faith is not always about receiving. Sometimes your faith has to fight with the resounding no. Sometimes you've got to reject a reality. When the doctor's report come back to you, you've got to understand that's not God's report. That's not the final word. And you've got rights as a child of God to stand up and stake your claim and say your peace. <clears throat> Too many people in life think that You've just got to go with the flow. It's the biggest misconception in all of Pentecost today is to believe that mentality that you've just got to roll with the punches. You've just got to do whatever comes your way. I do believe in adjusting, and I do believe in adapting, but I'm going to tell you, when it comes down to it, if there's something going on in my life that I do not like, I have a right to say no to it. I don't have to say amen to a disease. I don't have to say amen to an addiction. I don't have to say amen to an affliction. I don't have to say amen to a spirit that comes into my home. I can do like Moses. I can do like Abram and say, no, I reject this. This is not. See, some of you have been accepting things in your children you shouldn't have to accept. Well, glory to God. Help me, Lord Jesus. Let me go a little bit farther here. Matthew, the, uh, the 21st chapter and verse 19. I want to, I want to, I want to show you a hidden, a hidden principle that, that I think the church has, has.
has forgotten about. I think sometimes we're so good at magnifying certain parts of the Scripture, but uh, in doing that, sometimes we, we forget some hidden things there that needs to be brought to light. Let me take you there. Matthew 21 and 19. The Bible said, When he saw the fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only. And he said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever, and presently the fig tree withered away. Not a, not a positive situation at all. Jesus said no to the fig tree. Said, I don't want it to grow anymore. No fruit grew on this tree. And guess what? The fig tree presently withered away. It went back. And when the disciples saw it, you understand that? It went back. Just like it grew, it went back. Just like it grew, it withered. We've got the power to do that. Sometimes we get discouraged with situations that we can't move like a mountain, but not every situation gets moved like a mountain. Sometimes you've got to have enough faith to wither something, to stand the test of time, and to be able to say no enough that it eventually dies. Prayer can do that. Faith can do that. Just because you said no to it and it didn't move doesn't mean it's going to stay there. It may be withering and you don't even know it. It may be dying and you're not even aware of it. Watch, watch what happened in verse 20. When the disciples saw it, they marveled saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, If you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree. You know what Jesus done there? And some of us did not know this. Jesus gave us clearance to have a fig tree moment. Listen, listen. The second part of that scripture is where we trampoline from when we're preaching about faith. You know what it says. But if you say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, it shall be cast in the sea. It shall be done. That's the magnified, that's the majority of what we preach. But we forget that Jesus put a clause in there and says not only can you address the mountain, but you can curse the fig tree. He said, all things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. The same faith that we have that receives and welcomes is the same faith that we have that can refuse and reject something and call it to die. Sometimes tumors vanish, but sometimes they wither. Sometimes they go back where they came from. I'm telling you, you've got a right and you've got power. The devil don't want me to tell you this, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway. You've got rights to say what you want. Jesus said... I do not want this tree growing anymore in my life. So I'm going to curse it and I'm going to watch it wither. You got to deal with those things that grow in your life. Mountains don't grow. Mountains just show up and they're the same size when you're one years old and it's the same size when you're 21 years old. The mountains don't grow. They say the same size, but the fig tree has the power to grow in your life. And just because something's growing don't mean it should gain an advantage on you. It could be that it's time for you to stand up and fight against it and say, I don't like this ugly tree that's growing in my life, that's growing in my children. I don't like this ugly tree that's growing. Yeah. 
Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Sometimes things happen in our life that do not deserve an acceptance, but deserve an absolute rejection that says, no, I'm not satisfied with the result. I'm fighting the good fight of faith. I'm fighting against these negative things that's trying to intimidate me, that's trying to come down on me. Telling you as a man of God, it, it bothers me when I see people get joy and see people get a word from God for them to walk out the door and watch that black bird of despair come down and try to interfere with what God has put in your heart. Let me tell you, we don't need to take it anymore. Some of you need to get a hold of something. I don't know if it's a handkerchief or a staff or just the waving of your hand, but you need to let him know you're not welcome to attack my joy. You're not welcome to attack my I feel to say this in the Holy Ghost there's a mama in this room that needs to get the spirit of Abram that'll fight against those black birds that's trying to tell you your family won't have revival you ought to stand up to that buzzard and say no sir not on my children not on my watch I will not let you stop this Hallelujah. I like it. Woo. I like it. You know what I've noticed? I've noticed in my revival, my revival services, when my wife traveling, you'll have happy praisers. You have people on their joy juice. Man, they're wearing a smile so big it'll part their hair. I mean, it's just, they're overjoyed, and that's great. But ever so often, I'll run into an aggressive praiser. That she means business. Now, you can sit down if you want to. But she means business. She got a fierce look on her face. Like something bad done happened to her. But rather than sitting in a pew with her arms folded, it's like she's declaring war. And she's not wearing a smile, but she's got a little grit about her. And she's waving those hands in the air. And every time I see them doing that, I imagine those black birds trying to come down on her promise, but she's saying, no way. Some of you got to learn that praise. You better learn to get that praise in your heart that when things aren't going well, when the enemy's trying to intervene, it's no time to sit down and be quiet. It's time to get the war cry going. It's time to get the praise handkerchiefs and say, no siree, you cannot steal my children. One of my great pastor friends in Cuyahville, Tennessee, I know you've heard me tell the story before about his death, lying there on the side of the highway, no pulse. They done declared him dead, but his wife got to the scene and started praying, and what she was doing was beating those black birds off of her husband. She said no in the name of Jesus. She said they were getting ready to zip him up in a body bag, and she said no, you can do what you want to EMTs. You can do what you want to corner, but we are going to pray in the name of Jesus, my husband back to life and God raised him from the dead can I tell you in that moment it wasn't no time to say yes 
okay, I accept it, I receive it, but no, it was time for somebody with some faith says, no sorry. She started saying things like, my babies will have a father. He's got three boys that need to be raised by a dad. And she said, I will not let this. Sometimes you got to reject the reality in order for the kingdom reality to come to pass. First Kings 18 and 42, so Ahab went up to eat and drink. Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, cast himself down upon the earth, put his face between his knees, and said unto his servant, Go up, now look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. Oh, what are you talking about? There is nothing. There is nothing. I like what he did. He sent him back. He said, Go again. Go again seven times. He wasn't happy with nothing. Wasn't happy with the report. So he sent him again. He said, go, look again. You got to be careful in life, especially in the church. We don't need wet blankets and we don't need black buzzards. Ask your neighbor, are you one? I hope you're not. We don't need wet blankets and we don't need black buzzards. I preach against people like that. I don't care if they're in a wheelchair and they've been there since birth. If they're believing for a miracle, you shouldn't try to wet their face. You shouldn't try to pick it. Well, honey, you better just wait and see how this pans out. Shame on you, child of God. Well, we better wait a little bit. You know, that cancer can come back. Are you serious? They don't need a black, they, they're fighting enough black buzzards in their life. They've got enough wet blankets in their life. You know what they really need? They need somebody to take them in one hand and take that other hand and say, come on, honey, we're going to fight against these negative. Get off, get back, get back. So what? That cancer's come back again. It can go away again. It can go back where it came from. It can wither and die just like the fig tree. I'm trying to find out tonight, is there anybody that's got a fight in their faith? Is there anybody like Abram here tonight that'll say no, no, no? Well, he keeps coming back. Keep fighting. Treat him like a stray dog. I done told you once. You hearing me? The devil's like a stray dog. He'll just keep coming back and coming back and coming back. And you just got to keep sending him back, sending him back. I'm telling you, you got to reject his reality. The reason he's fighting you so hard is because there's a miracle in the making. The reason he's attacking your mind is because God's about to bring in fruition what he has promised you and has said about you. I'm here to tell somebody I reject his reality. I say no, 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 no. Get back! Come on, I'm looking for somebody with a fierce look in their eye. Get off my promise. Get off my promise. Get off my children. Get off my revival.
So Abram brought the sacrifice, prepared the sacrifice, and then decided to protect the sacrifice. Now you've been given the promise. My question is, will you protect the promise? Or will you let any foul spirit come down and discourage you? You are to fight against that attitude. When it comes down and says, ha ha, I told you so, you are to go on a rage. You are to have a fit. You better get back off my promise. When the fowls, you can be seated, when the fowls came down upon the caucuses, Abram drove them away. There are vultures and other fowls of the air that want to attack and pick at your promise. But you've got to be willing to fight them off. You got to do something about it. The enemy seeketh whom he may devour. Let me give you my James Gregory Chester Jr. translation. Here it is. The devil's a bully. And he's going to keep picking as long as he knows he can pick. He's going to keep coming as long as you, he knows he can get it down. I'm going to tell you, you ought to send a message to him. Sometimes that's all it takes is one strong strike against him. Say, devil, I have had enough. You are not going to control my life. You are not going to control my destiny. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get off my pro. Hallelujah. The old Chinese proverb says you can't prevent the birds of sorrow from flying over your head, but you can prevent them from building a nest in your hair. I kind of like that. I can't control what they're doing up there, but I have a line drawn in the sand. I'm from Tennessee. We, we have wildlife everywhere. We run over deers every week. We just, it's just it's a part of life. It doesn't surprise when a family member calls, you know, I ran over a deer last week. Yes, yeah, so did I. You know, it's just, it's just normal. We've got that much, that much stuff happening. And, and any time, when I was a young boy, I could look out in the forest and I'd see those black birds a, a, a swirling. And, and, and that either meant one of two things. Something is dead or something is about to die. And it's just this swirling up there waiting for that moment. And then every so often when the, you know, when the, the, when the, the road people would be behind, I guess, on their work, and that poor beast has been laid out there on the road for two or three days, you'll see a glimpse of those buzzards down, picking at it, taking advantage of it, having their way with that precious animal. And, 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 and you know what? That's, it's just like the enemy. What Abram done, Abram couldn't do anything about him up there, but he had a line. He had a limit. He says, you know, I can't do about anything when you're flying above my head, but once you cross that line, I'm asking somebody here tonight, when will you have enough? This man said something in the spirit a while ago about what are you going to do with this thing? What are you going to do? That's really where the rubber meets the road. What is your limit? How long will you let him hold you hostage? How long will you let him put a barrel over your children and try to tell them there is no hope? Abram, you've got to do something about this. You've drawn your line in the sand. Now it's time to engage. Yeah. 
Abram didn't have a problem with them flying over his head, but when they tried to come down, the scripture says he drove them away. Abram had his limits. Don't give them an inch. They, they, they engaged, he engaged. You've got a problem with my promise, you've got a problem with me. I am not going to sit back and let you torment my mind. day. And I'm telling some of you, you need to testify a little bit. You need to open up your mouth sometimes. You let stuff go too much. You let that voice get in your head and you do nothing about it. The devil's a roaring lion seeking to be made to virus. Sometimes the Bible says we're made overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And that testimony is not limited to a once a month Brother McGee calling on you to testify. Sometimes going down the road when that black bird comes in your car, you are to lift up your voice and start testifying. You are to tell him. tell you about a story that I recently heard. One of, our, one of our dear bishops from our home area, you've never heard of him. He was one of those nameless guys that just done such a great work of God, a diamond in the rough that not a lot of people knew about him. But, but he passed away a couple years ago, and I knew him. I actually got to meet the man, a very anointed man of God. And they told me after his death that before his conversion, before he ever came to God, Bishop, that uh, he was a prisoner of war, that he was a POW in, in, in war and, and this was before his conversion and uh, the government contacted his family and told him there was no hope during the conflict I don't recall what war it was that he was a part of but he was a prisoner of war and the, the government sent them a nice letter and told them that there was no hope absolutely no hope of him returning home that you would be better off to go ahead and have your funeral have your memorial service for there's nothing that can be done Everybody in the entire family went along with it and was going to have the funeral except Mama. See, Mama was a praying mother. Thank God for praying mamas. But she was a praying mama. And the day before they decided to have the funeral, she had a vision of her son standing in uniform by her mantle in her living room. And she believed it was a sign from God. And she stood up to the entire family and says, Do what you want to, but I will not have a funeral for my son because he is still alive. She shut the whole thing down and said, no, it's not going to happen. We're not burying what's not dead. We're not giving up what we have no proof on. And would you believe three weeks later to the day he returned home safe and sound. Come to find out her little boy said, God, if you'll get me out of here, I'll preach your word. I'll do what you want me to do. And God delivered him. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying sometimes you've got to reject the reality and cancel the funeral, cancel the memorial service. I refuse to weep over a dream that's not dead. I refuse to have a memorial service for a son that's still living. Sometimes I think the enemy picks at our thoughts, irritates our mind with the notion just give up, go ahead, have the funeral, move on. You will not receive your miracle. But someone needs to rise up like Abram tonight and drive those negative thoughts away. Some folks for too long have allowed negative thoughts, bad reports, gossip, words of division, 
pick at your thoughts like a disgusting buzzard, but it is time to drive them away. Does your faith have a fight? Don't sit there and take the attack. Don't tolerate his games. Fight back. In the name of Jesus Christ, fight back. I don't know exactly what Abram used, a staff, a broom, a garment. All I know is that when they came down, he reacted. Sometimes the important thing is to fight back somehow. Do something. When I was a kid, in my little town that I grew up in called Pocahontas, we had a drunk driver that liked to drink late on Friday night. and on Saturday, He would drink all the way into the morning, and on Saturday he would run the roads creating chaos. And every so often he'd come by our house and knock down our mailbox. And this happened quite frequently. I remember me and my brother so vividly, like it happened yesterday. We'd be in there watching cartoons, and it happened so much, Bishop, that when we heard the, the, the boom, we, we just, well, there goes the mailbox. We'd go outside, and the mailbox would be tore over. And, you know, my dad was a, was a great man. My dad had, had good, good morals. But my dad, like Abram, had limits. And I will never forget when that drunk driver reached his limit with my dad. And my dad, you could tell when my dad got serious, and he's like most men, any time a man grabs his belt buckle, you better back up. Me and my brother, that struck fear in our heart. Anytime dad went for the belt, okay, we're what? Okay, let's calm down. Let's never forget the dad day. My dad grabbed that belt buckle. He looked at me and my brother and said, let's go. And with his tone, I knew he was up to something. I remember me and my brother going, oh, yeah. Oh, daddy's mad about this. What's he about to do, daddy? What's he going to do? So me and my little brother, we went marching out in the yard with my dad. We went to the shed and got some post hole diggers. I'm thinking, dad, why don't we got post hole diggers? He said, get the post hole diggers. We got the post hole diggers. We got a bucket, and we got a water hose. And I, I'm, we're just out. I remember me and my brother's out by the, by, by, by the driveway, and me and him's taking turns with this post hole digger. And we're digging. We're thinking, dad, is this deep enough? No, keep digging, keep digging, keep digging. I'm thinking, what are we going to put in the ground here? He just said, keep digging. So me and my brother finally digged down. It was, I know it had to be at least four foot into the earth. And then my dad went to the barn, and I guess he was saving this piece of metal for such an occasion. And he pulled out, I am not kidding, it was an eight foot steel beam that dad had reserved for such a moment. I am telling you guys the truth. So me and my brother and my dad got this piece, this big hunk of metal, and we put it in the ground. And that wasn't good enough. He went and got some sackcrete. You know what sackcrete is? He went and got some sackcrete and took the water hose, stretched it all the way out there by it in the driveway, and me and my brother mixed it up and put water in it and mixed it up and then poured it in that hole and covered it up and passed it up. And then Dad set the mailbox on top of that piece of steel. And I never forget, he went back to the belt buckle and he said, let's see him knock that down. It's my dad. So time went on, and, and, and it had been, it'd been several weeks. And, you know, honest, honest to, the, to the Lord, I, I, I just I thought maybe the guy had done prayed through or something. We hadn't, had, hadn't heard a peep out of the drunk, hadn't been roaming the roads, was thinking, well, well maybe, that, maybe that's it. Maybe we'll never have to worry about it. But time went on so, 
so much that we'd actually forgot about the dumb mailbox. And one Saturday morning, I'm telling you the truth. I'm not telling you something that's not right. I'm telling you the truth. One Saturday morning, me and my brother's watching our cartoons, and all of a sudden we heard an explosion. And at that time, that explosion was so loud, I wasn't thinking about the mailbox. I was thinking, well, we're at war. Looks like we're going to have to join the army. They're dropping bombs in the front yard. Me and my brother run outside to see what was going on, and we realized what had happened because we looked down at the end of the road, and that mailbox had moved maybe an inch. It just leaned just a nudge. But when we got to the mailbox, there was car parts on the road, and I looked down the road, and there was car parts here and car parts there. We ran and got Daddy. Daddy got the telephone, called the cops. The man's car completely quit one mile down the road and was arrested. What are you saying? I'm saying at some point, you've got to have enough. You've got to dig a hole. You've got to put your foot down and say, I refuse to let the devil run over me anymore. I've received my promise, and now I'm going to protect that promise. I've received my miracle, and now I'm going to fight for my miracle. Stand with me. Stand with me. Lift your hands as the music comes. The company with Nehemiah, Pastor McGee, was smart enough that they knew when they were doing something for the kingdom of God, I got to have more than a tool. I got to have more than something that prepares and something that works. But if this is about God, and if it is, there's real enemies out there. There's real buzzards out there. So you know what? I'm not going to sit on that wall with just a tool in my hand, but I'm going to have a weapon as well. The Bible said the company with Nehemiah, with a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other, they worked, and when the enemy would attack, attack they would put down the tool, and they would pick up their weapon, and they would fight against the enemy. I'm, I'm just telling you what I feel on the Spirit of the Lord. Some of you in this church, you've been working, and you've been working hard, but you've been letting some things go. And the Lord says it's time to put the tool down, and it's time to pick up a weapon and say, Devil, get off my children, get off my marriage, get off my promise. I will not let you get the best of me. Come on, wave your hands with me right now. Come on, lift your voices as you're waving your hands. What are you going to do about this? Man, these men have preached promises to you. They've released spiritual promises unto you. Are you going to let the enemy just come down and take advantage of you and your family without you fighting? No, I'm looking for an Abram tonight. I'm... You know who else I'm looking for? I'm not just looking for an Abram, but I'm looking for a Rizpah. Bible says when her sons died, 
She refused to let the birds of the air rest on them. I like the way that says that. Rest on them. I'm not going to let them get comfortable attacking me. I'm not going to let them get comfortable coming down on my children. Some of you need the spirit of respite tonight that says get back devil. I know my children ain't perfect but God ain't done with them. I know my marriage ain't perfect but God's not done with it yet. I know the doctor's report's not perfect but to band together right now come on with one hand I want you to take your neighbor by the hand and with that other hand I want you to just wave it under the Lord we're going to fight yeah God Lord have mercy I feel the power of the Holy Ghost I wish I could get some moms and dads to come join me right now, right now. I wish you'd bring that person that you've got in your hand right now. And as you're walking down, waving that hand in the air. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.